but specifically we're going to Psalm 95 and we're going to read this entire psalm together. Psalm 95 beginning with verse number 1. Oh come let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully. Come on, say amen to that. Shout joyfully to him with songs. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This morning, I want to share with you for just a few moments a very simple message entitled, Unleashing the Power of Worship. How many of you believe that when we worship our God, that something happens supernaturally? Come on, can I hear a better amen? When His people worship Him in spirit and in truth, there is a power that is released for the glory and the honor of God. And that's why I am so adamant that we break through whatever it is that's binding us at any moment and begin to worship God. Because when we worship God, God will move among us in Jesus' mighty name. So for the next couple of moments, would you lift your hands, would you lift your voices, and would you worship your God, your King of Kings, your Lord of Lords, as we welcome His presence into this house. Lord, glorify Your name this morning. May you be high and lifted up. May your glory fill this temple. And may when we leave here, we know that we have met with God. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise in this house of the Lord this morning. Amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you love him in Jesus' name. And then you may be seated. Unleashing the power of worship. Now, before I begin this journey with you this morning, I want to be clear on one thing. You cannot sing away difficult times. Can I hear a better amen than that? You can't sing away difficult times. And the reason I say that is because the sad reality is that in the American church, we have reduced worship to singing and outward expressions. But worship goes so much deeper than that. And sadly, because we think worship is just singing and lifting our hands and clapping our hands, we don't understand the power of real, authentic worship. And we begin to get the idea that we can just sing away difficult times. But when we speak of unleashing the power of worship, 
I'm not in any way suggesting that you can sing away a bad day. You cannot sing away a bad marriage. You cannot sing away depression. You can't sing away anxiety and fear and panic attacks. You can't even sing and dance away um, out of your bondage and out of struggles that you are experiencing. And it's a shame that there are many Christians who believe that you can. There are many Christians who believe that part of discipleship and growth in the Lord is turning on their favorite Christian radio station and listening to Christian music all day long. They think that if they listen long enough that they'll have an emotional experience that will set them free. But actually, your Bible says in Proverbs 25 and verse 20, to sing a song to a man or a woman with a heavy heart is like taking their coat off on a cold day or pouring vinegar on soda. In other words, it's explosive. It's going to leave them feeling even more uncomfortable. So please do not go any further than where I am taking you this morning with this message, no matter how tempted you might be to do so. But here is what I know, and that is that through the years I've seen in Scripture, but I've also seen it played out in my own personal walk with the Lord, that when worship is properly defined, when it is properly understood for what it is, and the part that it plays in the life of the believer, there is tremendous power available. I cannot be the only one here this morning that would attest to the fact that there is something about praising God that immediately brings His presence upon the scene in Jesus' name. There is something about, as the author of Hebrews put it, offering unto God the sacrifice of praise. That means praising Him in spite of what you're going through. That means praising Him in spite of how you feel. There is something about offering to God the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips, giving Him thanks that breaks something in the heavenly places and begins a work in our hearts. I don't know what it is, but I have found throughout my journey with the Lord that if I can press through my pain, if I can press through what I'm feeling and what I'm going through, and I begin to magnify the name that is above all other names, that there is something that breaks in a realm I cannot see with my physical eyes, and I can say, God is now moving in my heart, in my life, in Jesus' mighty name. That's why the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, by Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Continually praise Him. Continually praise Him without ceasing, because you never know when you're going to have that breakthrough in Jesus' mighty name. But I want you to understand this. And that is, I'd like to add to that, that when we gather together and in concert, as we are this morning, lift up our voices in corporate worship, it takes that experience to an entirely different level. Now, I am thankful for those intimate times when I'm alone with God in my home, or when I'm driving, 
or when I'm just walking on a pathway or in the woods and I can just begin to praise Him and immediately sense His presence. I'm thankful for those moments. But I've got to tell you that there is something that happens when I gather together with other saints and I worship Him. There is an experience with God that takes that experience I have alone with Him to an entirely different level. I feel sorry for those who have bought into the lie that they do not need to go to church to be a Christian. And as a result have willfully, deliberately, and intentionally withdrawn themselves from the fellowship of the saints and gatherings with the people of God to worship the Lord. Because they are missing out on the power of God that is uniquely available during times of corporate worship. I'm not going to get dragged into a long conversation or debate on whether or not you need to go to church or belong to a church in order to be a Christian. But all I can tell you is that all throughout the Bible, the saints of God gathered together regularly and in their corporate gatherings, God would often come down and meet them in a special and in a dynamic manner. Can I preach to you for a little while this morning, Bethel? I believe that it's safe to say that what often cripples our times together like this this morning is our failure to recognize the wonder and the weight of the presence of God that is unleashed when we worship Him corporately. And and it's the failure to recognize that that allows us to come into this house haphazardly with no consideration of how we've lived through the course of the week. I'm going to tell you, we need to be living for God Monday through Saturday and when we come into this house, we are literally ready to erupt with praise because all we have seen is the goodness of Almighty God. When we get together and we praise God corporately, God is up to something in Jesus' mighty name. Can I hear a better amen from you this morning in Jesus' name? You say, Pastor Kurt, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, I would draw your attention first to when the children of Israel worshiped God as they um, inaugurated the uh, and dedicated the temple of Solomon in his day. In Second Chronicles, we read this. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praise the Lord saying for he is good for his mercy endures forever say that with me for he is good for his mercy endures forever say it loud for he is good For His mercy endures forever that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not even continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Many of you know that that cloud was not some mystic fog. It wasn't some kind of mysterious essence. Instead, it was the very presence of God. It 
known in the Old Testament as the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory was the tangible, the very visible presence of Almighty God. And as the men and women began to lift up their voices together as one voice praising God, He inhabited the praises of His people. He came down in a visible, tangible manner. And He was so rich in that house that men and women couldn't even stand in His presence. They had to fall before Him and magnify Almighty God. Something happens when the people of God praise Him together in Jesus' mighty name. Of course, I could take you from there to the New Testament equivalent to that verse in Acts chapter 2. When the Bible tells us when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. There were 120 altogether. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. How many of you would love to come here one Sunday morning and suddenly have a sound from heaven come into this place as of a rushing mighty wind? that filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Folks, the church was born in a corporate prayer meeting. It was born out of corporate praise. How dare you and I believe that we can sit on a sofa every Sunday, withdraw ourselves from the saints of God and experience God's power. No, we were meant to come together and magnify the Lord because when we do, God is going to do something in our midst in Jesus' mighty name. I'd love to tell you of how when the children of Judah came under attack, they began to pray together and praise the Lord and God moved. Listen to it. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Many of you know Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Remember, Israel divided after Solomon's death. To the north was Israel. To the south was Judah. And this, these enemies, this coalition of enemies came against Jehoshaphat and Judah. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And they cried out, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against the great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. You are maybe going through something today that you do not know what to do, but are your eyes upon the one who has it all in his hands here today. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, and their children. So everyone came together, and they stood before the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon this prophet named Jehaziel. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, I love it, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. And I'll tell you today, the battle you are facing is not yours, it is God's today. 
today. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And so they rose early in the morning and went out. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe your prof- his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army, and were saying, here it is again, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. As you read it, you know that as they worshipped God, they didn't have to draw a sword. God actually sent confusion among the coalition of the enemies. They turned on each other and killed one another. Israel didn't even have to draw a sword that day. God fought the battle. I'm going to tell you, if you want to confuse and confound your enemy, then you praise the Lord when you are under attack. Because it is not natural for men and women to praise God when all hell is breaking loose. The enemy doesn't know what to do when you push through it and you magnify Almighty God. I don't know what is going on in your life today, but I wish that somebody would praise our God this morning and let Him know that no weapon formed against you will ever intimidate you because you know God is for you and he's not against you in Jesus mighty name come on somebody give God the praise hallelujah 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 come on there's some dead people sitting over here can I see some people over there lifting up your hands and magnify no in the back you guys praise God too <laughs> Come on, magnify the Lord with me. (laughs) Come on, magnify Him with me. Some might say, well, Pastor Kurt, come on, that's the Old Testament. But may I remind you that the author of Hebrews in the New Testament says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. I'm going to tell you, the Bible makes it clear that it is ungodly to withdraw from corporate fellowship and corporate times of worship. In fact, the Bible says, if you believe that we are living in the last days, you should be spending more time together in the house of God and praising the Lord. And you say, why is it that corporate worship is so important? Because Jesus said again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. He goes on to say for where two or three are gathered together in my name I am there in the midst of them. There is something about the power of agreement that when we stand together and agree in prayer, when we stand together and agree that our God is worthy of praise, that He will answer prayer. He will move among us in Jesus' name. 
This is why the early church in Acts chapter 4 is they're beginning to be threatened with persecution. They gather the whole church together and they say, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Again, it happened in a corporate meeting. I'm reminded of when Paul and Silas were in that Philippian jail. The Bible tells us at midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining. Paul and Silas were angry at each other and blaming each other. No, at midnight, the darkest part of the night, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing hymns to God. Here their wrists were chained. They got chains on their ankles. They're beaten. The blood is, is now dried and, 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 and there's infections that are starting to come in. But at midnight, they're praying and they're singing unto Almighty God and the prisoners were listening to them. I'm going to tell you, the world is listening to see what the church is going to do in this hour. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. I'm going to tell you, there is something about worshiping our God that breaks every chain, that brings us into a greater place of freedom in Jesus' name. I'm, i got to slow down. I'm... I'm too excited here this morning. I, this is in my heart though. It is. I love what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. He speaks of Christ saying, and he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is interesting. He doesn't say that we're waiting to be seated with him, but rather we're raised up now and we're seated together with him in heavenly places. That's interesting. I remember John on the Isle of Patmos has a vision of heaven. And he tells us what he sees in Revelation chapter number 5, beginning at verse number 8. He says, Now when he, Jesus, had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls, listen to this, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So that literally the prayers that we lift up to God now are being heard in heaven. They're heard around that throne. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, out of every tongue, out of every people, out of every nation, out of every street, out of every crack house, out of every divorce court. You've delivered us from it all and you've made us the children of the living God and you've made us kings and priests to God and we shall reign on the earth. Now I want you just for a moment to consider the implication of those last two scriptures because what they are telling us is that even though we are here right now 
spiritually we are seated in heavenly places with Almighty God. And so when we worship here, when we pray here, we're joining the multitude that is already in heaven and we are worshiping Jesus Christ who has redeemed us out of every tribe, out of every tongue, and out of every sin. Come on, lift your voice with the angels this morning. Let us join with heaven in magnifying our God that has set us free. Come on, everybody, magnify the Lord with me. I'm going to tell you, when we worship God in spirit and in truth, it is nothing short of heaven touching earth, of dust touching touching the divine, of humanity touching the heavenly, of matter touching the maker, of the creature touching the creator. And it's in this environment that God can breathe life into this dust again and make us alive unto Him. He can heal, He can save, He can deliver, He can restore, He can make all things pass away and make all things brand new. I wish that someone would magnify the Lord God with me this morning for all that He has done. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Come on, magnify the Lord with me. Exalt His name together. Hallelujah. And that's why David says, that was introduction. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Come, let us shout joyfully. Come before him with thanksgiving and shout joyfully to him with songs. That must mean a lot to God because he said it twice. Shout joyfully unto God. Shout joyfully unto him with songs. You kind of get the idea that God doesn't mind things getting a little elevated on Sunday morning. I'm going to tell you, religion tells you that you got to come into church on Sunday morning and be quiet and stoic. My God loves a little noise. He loves it when His children shout unto God with a voice of triumph to shout unto God as you've already won the war because you already have through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. When we worship to God, we should be exuberant. There should be shouting. There should be singing with joy and thanksgiving. I've said this before, and I will continue to say it. Man was created to worship, and instinctively we all worship. I don't care if you're an atheist here today. You worship something or someone. Everyone worships something or someone. Because instinctively, we know that we have to. For instance, today, men and women are going to gather in temples all over the United States of America, we just call them stadiums. They are going to show up. They don't care what else is on the agenda. And they are going to pay their tithes. We call them tickets. But they are going to pay their tithe. They're going to dress in their Sunday best, the colors of their favorite team. They're going to take that seat and nothing will distract them. They'll be intently looking upon that field. And within moments, they'll be singing their hymn, Fly, Eagles, Fly. Okay, They're going to sing their hymn. They're going to lift their hands. They're going to clap their their hands. They're going to shout. They are going to quiet anybody down that is in opposition to them. 
and no one's going to think the worst of it. They're going to dance and all around and shout. There's nothing different about what they do there than what we're doing in here. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There is one thing that's different. They're going to sit anxiously waiting to see who wins the game. But in here, we already know who won the war. Hallelujah. And in Him, we have the... Hallelujah. Come on, would somebody magnify the Lord with me in this house this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Him, we are more than conquerors in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship You. We worship You, Almighty God. We come into his house with thanksgiving, with singing, with shouting for the rock-solid salvation that we have in him. Listen, our praise is not just emotional. Yes, there's emotion in it. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's rooted in the fact that we are praising the one who has saved us, who has healed us, who has delivered us. And we are thanking him for all that he's done, all that he's doing, and all that he has yet to do in the future in Jesus' name. In fact, your Bible says that you're to come before him with thanksgiving. Now, we've cornered the market on coming before him with requesting. But you don't come before the Lord requesting. It's offensive to him when all you do is come and ask him for something. He wants you to come before him with thanksgiving. To thank him for all you've done. You said, Pastor Kurt, I don't have anything to thank him for. You don't know what my week has been like. You don't know what I've been through. I know who brought you through it today. And you can thank God that his greatest performance is on the stage of impossibility. He allowed a difficult time to come so that he could show himself strong in your life one more time. God has never failed. Give him all the praise if you believe that. I'm going to need your prayers. I've got to preach this again in an hour. Why do we do this? What is our motive for worship? He tells us right here, for the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. He says, this is why you praise him. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all other gods. For the Lord is the great God. You see, we don't worship today because we had a good week. We don't worship today because we loved all the songs that were sung. We don't worship God because we like the team that was up here today. We don't worship God because our husband treated us good this week. We don't worship God because our wife didn't nag us this week, guys. We don't worship God because our boss gave us a raise this week. We don't worship God because the kids were agreeable this week. We don't worship God because the country moved in the right direction this week or the president didn't tweet out something that offended half the country this week. We worship God because there is no one worthy of our praise like Almighty God. We worship Him because He is the great God. He is the only God above all other gods. In Jesus' name. Listen to what He goes on to say. He says, In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are His also. 
The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. Do you know that the lowest point on earth, as far as dry land is concerned, is the Dead Sea, sitting 1,378 feet below sea level. Actually, overall, the lowest point on earth is Challenger Deep, which is located in the western Pacific Ocean, just off the shore of the uh, Marianne Trench, it is 36,200 feet below sea level, and God holds it in his hand. I love that. The highest point in this world is Mount Everest, 29,035 feet, but it sits in his hand. God holds it there. Can I tell you today that there are 57 million square miles of land in the world, and it all rests in the palm of his hand. There are 332 million cubic miles of water on, in, and above the earth, but it all is in his hands. Why did he want you to know that? He wanted you to know that no matter whether you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death or you're dancing on cloud nine, it doesn't matter if you're in a dry place or you feel like you're going to go under in the flood. God has it all in his hand. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to carry you through and he's worthy of our praise here this morning. Come on, give him praise. But If you think about that long enough, that's going to cause you to do more than shout. It's going to humble you. To think that all of that is in his hand, not in his hands. He can hold it all in his hand. The whole universe rests in the hand of Almighty God. And this is why maybe as David is writing this, he says, oh, come, let us worship. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Did you notice he goes from this ecstatic praise to a humble worship? It's a reminder that the more intimate you become with the Lord, the more humbled you become in your heart. True worship brings us to our knees brings us to a place of bowing our lives to him in absolute and total surrender and submission. We are reminded at this point that worship means nothing if it's not followed up with obedience. This is why Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship. That's what that means. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're not a worshiper if all you do is sing. You're not a worshiper if the only time you ever take Time during the week to magnify God is on Sunday morning here with everybody. True worship is not an event. True worship is a lifestyle. You live a worshipful life by being obedient to Him. In fact, songs and dance that are lifted up from a vessel 
that is not obedient is highly offensive to God. God receives the praises of those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And, and so as much as I love how this place erupted a moment ago and would never in a million years stop that, I want to remind you that if that is all your worship is, you're offending God. Worship continues the moment you leave these doors by living a humble, sacrificed life in Jesus' name. And that's why he concludes this incredible psalm today. Today, if you will hear his voice. you got to love that word, today. Can I tell you that God is infinitely more concerned about today than he is of yesterday or tomorrow? God is focused on today. Yesterday can only be considered. It can only be learned from. It can only be repented of. It can only be forgiven. But it's over. What was done yesterday is done. It's over. You can't go back and fix it. You can't go back and change it. As I said, you can only repent of it. You can only be forgiven for it. But it's over. And tomorrow doesn't even exist. It's all right to plan for your tomorrow, but you don't know what the day may bring. So all of your plans are futile. You you don't know what tomorrow may hold. Today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. It is a present from God. Today, His mercies are renewed. Today, he is speaking. Will you hear his voice? I don't know about anybody else, but today, I need to hear the voice of the Lord. Um, When I think of today, it speaks of, of how my praise and my worship and my walk with God is to always remain fresh. It is always to remain new. I don't know about anybody else, but I need a fresh encounter with God today. I need a fresh word from God today. And when I wake up tomorrow by the grace of God, I will need a fresh new encounter with God tomorrow. I will need a fresh new word from God tomorrow. What you're getting today is to inspire you for today and maybe give you some focus for the rest of your week. But I I tell you today, when you wake up tomorrow morning, it will be by the grace of God, and you had better say, I've got to get alone with God, because I'm not going to make it unless I get a word from heaven today in Jesus' mighty name. And that's why he says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your will. That's what he's talking about. As in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation, and I said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts or in their will, and they do not know my ways, so I swore in my wrath, listen to this, they shall not enter my rest. That's unleashing the power of worship. Because those who worship him in spirit and in truth then are into his rest. Those who don't never will. 
If I had the time, I would take you into Israel's history as they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. For 40 years, they watched God work miracles and sustain them. He gave them water from a rock. He gave them quail meat from the sky. He gave them manna from heaven. For 40 years, their sandals never wore out and their clothes never did either. For 40 years, they watched God lead them as a cloud by day and a fire by night. He never left them. He never forsook them. But never once did that generation say, thank you. All that generation did was accuse God of not loving them, of bringing them out of Egypt to kill them in the wilderness. They were testing the Lord. But it was in this sense. They were trying to manipulate him. It would be like your children saying to you, if you love me, you would. If you love me, why are you treating me this way? They were manipulating God. They were saying, you brought us out just to kill us in this wilderness. They never said, thank you. They never just submitted themselves to the provision of God. They always wanted more. And for that reason, God said, in my wrath, I swore, this generation will never enter into my rest. And they never did. They died in the wilderness. Folks, I'm going to tell you, there are many professing Christians that are dying in the wilderness because they do not have a grateful heart. And thank God for all that he's done. Instead, all they do is complain about what he hasn't done. I'm going to tell you, God has done more for you than you have any knowledge of. He is worthy of your praise today. And I want you to enter into his rest. So can we, can we right now stand to our feet? Can we just lift our hands and for the next few moments, can you just thank him? Count your blessings. Thank him for life. Thank him for how he set you free, how he's delivered you, how he has saved you. Come on, lift up your voice and magnify the Lord here today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just unleash the power of worship because I believe that as we worship him, he'll bring you into that rest today in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We magnify you, Lord. We glorify you. We thank you for all that you have done in our lives. All that you are doing in our lives in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We magnify you. We glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. Hallelujah. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory fill all the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We magnify you. Lord, on this week of thanksgiving, we give you thanks. We ask you for nothing but give you thanks for everything that you've done. Lord, you are so provisional in your relationship with us that when Jesus came, he told us, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. 
Don't worry about where you're going to live. Because all of the unbelievers, that's all they worry about. But your Father knows what you have need of before you even ask Him. So don't worry about it. Because who among you can add one inch to your height by worrying? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And seek righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. Lord, you've made it clear that as I take care of your business, you take care of me. And so I pray that this church would be concerned about your business, your kingdom, your kingdom coming. Even today, as we minister to thousands in Highland, I pray that your kingdom would come. I pray that those who do not know you would sense something different about us. Not in just that we're handing them a meal, but that there is a transformation that has occurred within our lives that can only be explained as the power of